Mic on. Good, good afternoon, folks. This is Joseph speaking again. And on this podcast, I'm going to present... Mic off. Mic on. A podcast entitled Lesson 9, End Time Deceptions. So I hope you find this talk very informative and inspiring. Enjoy. Mic off. The Bible tells us, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It says to receive with meekness the implanted Word, which is able to save your souls, and to be diligent to present yourself approved to God, rightly dividing the Word of Truth. Join us now for the 3ABN Sabbath School panel. Our study today is Preparation for the End Time. You are watching the 3ABN Sabbath School panel. I'm C.A. Murray, and I welcome you to this in-depth study of the Word of God and the Seventh-day Adventist Sabbath School lesson, which is being studied around the world. No matter where you go, no matter what country you go, if you're in a Seventh-day Adventist church, you're going to be studying this particular lesson. And it's nice to know that the world is coming together to study and you're coming together with us to study, and together we will dig deep into the Word and bring forth, dare I say, nuggets of truth that will enrich our lives and enhance our walk as together we walk this road that leads to glory. I am in the company of some wonderful students of the Word and fellow, fellow travelers on the road to glory. Pastor Kenny Shelton, good to have you here, man. Good to be here, thank you. And Sister Shelley Quinn. So good to have you here. Always good to be here. And Sister Molly Steenson, again, good to have you here. Thank you. And Jill Morricone, good to have you here, Jill. Thank you. May I encourage you, should you want to join in with us, that you go to the internet to ABSG, G, which is Adult Bible Study Guide, dot adventist dot org and you can download a bible study um, uh, a sabbath school quarterly to study with us and let me encourage you these things we've been studying the last several weeks this is good material this mm -hmm. is material that you may want to refer to at other times in your life if you're teaching certainly if you're a sabbath school teacher hopefully we will say something that will be of value to you that you can use in your teaching but the lessons that we are studying this particular quarter, since we are dealing with preparation for the end times, this is material that you may want to just warehouse, put in um, uh, a file somewhere, and you can refer back to some of this information at other times if you have talks you want to give or something else that you want to do. Very good information, very timely information. And um, if you cannot download the information, may we suggest that you make your way to the local Seventh-day Adventist Church. First of all, they'd love to see you, and they're probably going to try to keep you, and we praise the Lord for that, but ask them for a Sabbath school lesson. They will give you a Sabbath school lesson, and maybe they may even give you a little potluck, praise the Lord, mm. after the sermon <laughs> is over. So uh, make your way to the, the local Seventh-day Adventist Church. They'd be happy to give you a Sabbath school lesson, and you can follow along with us, and we'd be pleased to do so. We are talking about this particular quarter, uh, this particular week of this particular quarter, 
end time deceptions. And Pastor Kenny, I'm going to ask you to ask God's blessing upon yes. our study before we wade into this very timely and pertinent subject. Yes. Mm -hmm. All right, let's pray, shall we? Loving Father in heaven, truly it is good to be part of the family of God today. It's Amen. good to be able to sit together to study the Word, the Holy Word that you've left for us. We pray now for the power of thy Holy Spirit, how mm -hmm. desperately we need the Spirit of the living God. Lord, we just can't understand these end time subjects without the power of the Spirit. So as the Holy Spirit now descends upon each one of us, those who are at home, those who watch, those who listen, those who view in any form or fashion, we pray that the Holy Spirit will consume us all, that we may learn more about you and uh, some of the warnings that are given, that we may take heed to these and we may follow you right on into glory. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. They have used a number of translations for the memory text. And this one, Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, comes to us from the New King James Version. So uh, we'll recite it together, and then we'll sort of launch out into our study for today. Um, Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, the Bible says, So the great, great dragon, dragon was cast, cast out, that serpent of old called the, the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. world. He, he was, was cast, cast to the earth. earth and his, his angels, angels were cast out with him. Yes. There are a couple of texts uh, in the Gospel of First John that appear to be conflicting and for some people appear to be some sort of biblical doublespeak. They are found in First John chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. First John chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. The one text, um, Christ says, I'm not going to give you a new commandment. And then in the very next text, it says again, a new commandment I give you. Mm -hmm. um, and so it has confused many, many people. Is it new? Is it not new? Well, the answer is found uh, in the Greek definitions of those particular words. And rather than go into all of the Greek, let me just explain it to you. Um, one is brand new. The other is new to you. Oh, that's good. So he's saying, I'm not giving you a brand new commandment. I'm giving you a commandment which is new to you. It's, it's the same old commandment, but you've forgotten it, so I'm bringing it back to you. It's like you buy a new car, Pastor. Yes. Uh, it's, it's not a new car, but it's new to you. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's an old car, but it's, it's new to you. So Christ said, I'm not yeah. giving you anything brand new, but you've forgotten this, so I'm bringing it back to you. It's, it's new to you. May I suggest then that when we look at end time deceptions, they are not really brand new as much as they are new to the end times. Um, Satan is using age old tricks and tactics, mm. but they're, they're kind of on steroids now. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's the same old stuff, mm -hmm. but it's new to this generation, new to this generation. Fact, frankly, Satan has more tools now than he ever had before. Mm -hmm. He's got more weapons to use. He was a liar mm -hmm. and murderer from the beginning. He has not changed. That's right. He is still a liar and murderer. Um, he began the work of deception in heaven, and then he brought it to earth with him. Same tactics, mm -hmm. deception. He deceived one-third of the angels. He deceived Eve. He didn't change his tactics. He didn't alter his tactics. And in these last days, um, 
He's the same. Yes. He's a deceiver and a murderer with a new arsenal. Mm. Now he's a deceiver and murderer with television. Mm. He's a deceiver and murderer with movies. Yeah. He's a deceiver and murderer with videos in his arsenal. He's a deceiver and murderer with DVDs in his arsenal. He's a deceiver and murderer with radio in his arsenal. He's a deceiver and murderer with the internet in his arsenal. He's a deceiver and murderer with pornography in his arsenal. He's a deceiver and murderer. He's got iPads, iPhones, uh, iPods, iWatches, Google, Android, internet, books, YouTube. Um, he's the same deceiver and murderer, but he's got more ways to infect the world with his disease. Yeah. Yes. He's got more arsenal. He's got more weapons in his arsenal. He is still the father of lies. That's right. But he's a liar now with drugs in his arsenal. He's a liar now with alcohol in his arsenal. He's a, not a liar now with pornography in his arsenal. He's a, a liar now with new, new methodologies, but same old lies. Mm. The truth is, in this world today, there are more ways to get hurt. There are more ways to get sick. There are more ways to die. Mm -hmm. And there are more ways to be distracted from the word of God. Mm. Mm -hmm. So he's got a brand new arsenal. He's got more tricks up his sleeves. But he's the same old murderer, the same old liar, the same old deceiver. That has not changed. When we look at Sunday, one of Satan's master deceptions is the notion that there is no Satan. Mm. <laughs> That's one of his master yes. tricks. Mm -hmm. Or that he is something to be toyed with or laughed at or joked with. So you've got this horned being in a red suit with a pitchfork and a tail mm -hmm. and... and, and um, uh, people don't take that seriously, so they don't take the enemy seriously. But Satan is a deadly yeah. foe. Yes. Mm -hmm. If you don't know that something exists, then you're not looking for it. That's right. Mm -hmm. So one of his master strokes is the notion that there's no devil. Mm -hmm. There's no devil. And if, there, if he is, he certainly can't help us. It's like doctors before microscopes. They didn't know there were such things as germs or bacteria. So they didn't wash their hands. Mm. Uh, they didn't disinfect anything. They just waited in. And then when they got microscopes, they found out, microscopes, they found out that there was this little tiny thing that if you don't wash that thing away, it can kill you, yeah. even though you cannot see it. Well, it's the same way with Satan. If you don't know he exists, then you're not aware of his devices yeah. and you're not looking for him and what you don't know not only can hurt you, it can kill you yes. physically and spiritually. So all throughout the Bible, there are references to Satan and particularly in the book of Revelation as a de deadly, malignant, and malicious foe seeking to destroy God's people. Second Corinthians chapter two, verse 11 speaks of not letting Satan take advantage because we are ignorant of his devices. Mm. So God's people need to be aware of his devices because uh, the lesson says, he's, he, the truth is he's smarter than we are. Yeah. Sometimes we think we are smarter, but no, he's smarter than we are. Um, uh, Solomon said, there's nothing new under heaven and that can include these time-worn tricks of the devil. In these last days, his wrath is great. 
Martin Luther in writing that wonderful hymn of the ages and extolling God, a mighty fortress is our God, uh, turns immediately mm. from God to Satan because he realized that there is a foe. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills mm. prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great. And armed with cruel hate, on earth is not his equal. Mm. The only way to defeat the master deceiver is to keep your hand in the hand mm. of the master. Mm. Amen. Mm. Only way to defeat him is to keep, yes. you know, there's nothing about us that Satan fears. Yeah. Nothing you have, nothing you are, mm -hmm. nothing you can do that, that he fears the Jesus in you. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and I like this yeah. statement by Ellen White, and I don't recall exactly where it is found because you read so much spirit of prophecy. She says that the weakest Christian, That's right. the weakest Christian, when he calls upon the power of God yes, is you, more than a match Praise you. for all the hosts of the enemy. Thank so that's the, that's the sorriest Christian. Mm. When you reach out and grab hold of Jesus, you are more than a match for even the devil himself. Beautiful. And as long as you want Jesus, Jesus will stay by your side yes. and he will keep the devil off your back, out of your house, mm -hmm. out of your marriage, and out of your life. Amen? Amen? That's the power of God. Amen. So we don't have to fear the deceiver because praise God, greater is he that is in us absolutely. than he that is in the world. Thank amen? You. Hallelujah. And Thank amen. You. Pastor Kenny. Oh, that, that was good. I like that. You know, the, the, the victory is assured to us by the word that's given to us by mm -hmm. Jesus. I appreciate that very much. Monday's lesson. You know, this, to me, this is a powerful in fact, the quarterly. All the oh, lessons boy. are so Amen. powerful, especially for, you know, we call Seventh-day Adventists with a message to give. Mm -hmm. And then we figure out by the grace of God, how, how deep do you really dig? You have a few minutes in which to do it, but you have a lot of help and panel. So sometimes we'll kind of scoot a little bit on maybe each other, not meant to be. <laughs> but it's good to repeat some things oh, yeah. because that's how we learn. And we're looking at the two errors. We're talking about two errors. Monday's lesson, so if you have it, make sure you get the, the two great errors. So how far do you go with it? I think we established over and over again that deception, the Brother C.A. brought out, is, is real. There's people who are deceiving and being deceived. Mm -hmm. So we have to work. That's working in all the world. That's, that's in politics. That's even in religion, believe it or not. Yes, it's yes. going on all the time. We have to be very, very careful. We're warned not to get involved in that area because the enemy, as you brought out, is the author of this deception, this, these lies. And I thought about it. Is it possible that a Christian can be deceived? Mm. You know, it talks about even the very elect, we understand the scripture says, but is it possible that a Christian can be deceived? You brought out, I think, in a way there that I thought, well, uh, a, you might say, can, a, can a, some born again Christian, because someone we call saved or in a saving relationship, be fooled? Well, kind of interesting, uh, uh, Lucifer was self deceived, wasn't he? Yes. Absolutely. In the kingdom. Mm. You know, it started up there, right, with Lucifer. And then we think about it came down to Eve. You mentioned she was deceived. We realize that. You can go back and start uh, illustration after illustration. Uh, Cain was even self-deceived, wasn't he? Mm -hmm. And his offering and so mm. on and so forth. So deception went on, began, you know, is in heaven, came down here at this earth and into the whole world that Jesus talks to us about. 
that great deceiver that we read in Revelation 12, 9, I think it was our memory text for this week here. He is the great deceiver. The old dragon was cast out. Mm -hmm. So we realize deception. We have to be careful. We're going to be cast out, maybe out of the presence of God. We can't do what we've been called to do. Mm -hmm. Now, what happens to him? The good news to me, and I may be wrong in this. This is a good news to me. Revelation 20, uh, verse 10 gives it about the deceiver. It says, and the devil that deceived them was what? Was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. We know the end. He's not going to change the end of the deceiver. And that's what's going to happen to all of us if we are deceived. There's really no excuse for us to be if we say, say in the word. The devil is trying, I know in this lesson brings out, is trying to deceive us, but we must be careful. The book of James brings out, James uh, 1 verse 22, it says, be careful that you don't deceive your own selves. Mm -hmm. We be careful because again, self-deceive. We can deceive our own self. We can be involved with a different group and we can be listening and we can be, you know, saying, oh boy, we got to be careful with that. So the enemy is doing his very best, but the book of Revelation chapter, I think it's 13 verse 14, he says, I'm going to work on all those that dwell on the earth. So that means you're no exception. I'm no exception. The enemy is going to deceive what? Everybody that dwells on this earth, everybody that he can get at. Interesting in this uh, uh, 2 John 1 verse 7 brings this out rather clearly. The enemy, uh, you know, is going to be working on the people. It says, for many deceivers are entered into the world. 2 John 1 verse 7, be sure and jot these down. We move quickly. Uh, Who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the what? In the flesh. This is a deceiver and what? And an antichrist. Mm -hmm. Those are big, big words. Jesus warns us of all kind of deception. You remember, you look at Matthew chapter 24 brought out. Matthew 24 verse 4. Matthew 24 verse 5. Matthew 24 verse 11. Matthew 24 verse 24. What is Jesus saying to us in these passages? Be careful that no man deceives you. Uh -huh. Don't be deceived. But, you know, the, the enemy is going to come and, and, and say, I am Christ. And it will deceive what? It's going to deceive many, it says here. Uh, Matthew 24, deceive if possible the very elect. Remember, deception began in heaven. It continued down into the Garden of Eden, and it continues now to the whole world. So this is not anything new to anyone, but I think it's reality that we have to look at as closely as we can. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, 14 says this, Adam was not deceived, notice this, but who? But the woman being deceived was in transgression. So there's something about being deceived, Pastor, that I look at here that leads to sin and transgression. Mm -hmm. It can lead to that, which is death. It's missing out on heaven. We have to be careful about it. I found this in the Spirit of Prophecy, letter 11, 311, 1905. This was written, but notice how it pertains today. We're talking about spiritualism. We're talking about these two great errors that we'll mention here in just a moment. When these spiritualism, spiritualistic deceptions are revealed to be what they really are, notice, the secret workings of evil spirits. Mm. Those who have acted a part in them will become as men who have lost their minds. Mm. That's an interesting, powerful statement right there. Mm -hmm. Spiritualism, spiritualistic deceptions are revealed. People's absolutely losing their mind because the devil is taking their mind, isn't he? Mm -hmm. and that's what he's out to get. We know that. God wants our mind. The enemy wants our mind. Hundreds and thousands you mentioned here of deceptions that the enemy has. But I encourage you, just as you've been encouraged and through all of these lessons is here, there's only one way that we will not be deceived. Get to know Jesus. Get to know the Amen. Word. Stay in the Word. Study the Word. Right. And, you know, and, and, and then by God's grace, be obedient to the teachings of God's Word or we Amen. will be 
deceit. There's no doubt about it. Don't care who we think we might be. Amen. You know, what, what, we, we know this. We know all that. Be careful here because you mentioned brought it out. We're no match for the enemy. Mm. We might think, well, we want to give him any praise. I'm not. I'm telling you what he is. He's no match. That's why God said in the beginning, he said, I'm going to put enmity between thee and the woman. God knew that the enemy is too much for us. We needed help. And he planted it inside of us. And I'm so grateful that he did. Now, you know, the two great errors, immortality of the soul. Uh, that next, that's, that's me. Tomorrow's lesson, sorry. Won't go, we'll get too much on that, but it's simply dealing <laughs> out. <laughs> it can't help but want to get just a little bit close, immortality of the soul. It lays the foundation of spiritualism, doesn't it? Spiritualism in the last days. You know, what is wrong, you say, with spiritual and things in the last days? Because people are already saying, we have come back from the dead. We're talking about the, even the saints of old. People say we've seen them. You know, they're, they're talking about the ancestors. Different ones have come back, and they always come back with a message. Yes. They call it from the other side. Mm. But every time, we know that's not possible. We understand our lesson, and we'll get as we go here. But we realize every time they come back with a message, it is a lie of the devil. So it's very important that we realize the immortality of the soul and then Sunday sacredness. Those are two great errors. So what can all be said, you know, about Sunday sacredness? I'm, I'm just, I, don't, I like to call it out because this creates a bond with Rome. We understand that Sunday sacredness. We realize in the Word of God, when we look at that, we talk about Sunday. We just, let's just be honest about it. We need to know. Testimonies to Ministers, page 118, tells it. He's called us. He's called us to expose the wickedness of the man of sin. That's what these lessons are about. This is what we're doing here and uh, that made the Sunday law distinct power. Mm. We have a job to expose who the enemy is using here in these last days. It may not be easy. Some people are a little timid and shy. Be honest with you, I am not. I've not been uh. called to be shy. I've not been called to be timid. I've not been called to back up, back down, or shut up. Amen. So, that's all of us. I'm sorry, Pastor. It's just one of these things. We just have to go with the flow of this thing. This is what our lesson brings out, Sunday sacredness. Nowhere have I ever seen in scriptures, as we look at this, uh, that God ever blessed it. He never sanctified Sunday. He never set it apart. Jesus worked on that day, as we well know, you know, in scripture. He never called the Sabbath. The Bible never calls the Sabbath, uh, you know, Sunday the Sabbath. He never called it the Lord's Day. He's called it a common working day. So we look at it and say, okay, this is what God has called and this is what we have to look at. Mm. We realize this is bringing out the, the two great heirs here. Who's, who's going to be working in the last days? United States is going to be working. We understand that. And th this is one thing we look at. And, and Rome, and I call it the papacy, and I call it Protestants. They're going to be working together, combined to trample upon the law of God because we are talking about Sunday sacredness. We're talking about the immortality of the soul. And we know that in 2 Corinthians was 11, that the enemy's going to come as what? As I mean, he's going to impersonate God, uh, Christ. Mm -hmm. I want to bring out quick, a couple quick points on that. You remember, it says, Therefore, think no marvel is this great thing, that if his ministers also transform into the ministers of righteousness. You remember that? Yes. The enemy has his ministers. Mm -hmm. The enemy has, and that word there you can translate many times, the enemy has his attendants. The enemy has his deacons. The enemy has his elders. The enemy has his pastors. He has his teachers. He has uh, his servants. He has those who are runners for him. He has those who are running errands for him. That's what this ministers really means here. And so, but they're no other than the enemy, right? And, and looking as though it's the right thing. So we have to be careful that we're, uh, we are not deceived. Great Controversy uh, 571 says this, and just less than a minute less, tells us, says, the papacy is just what prophecy declared that she would be. 
the apostasy of the latter times. So it's interesting. We look at the little horn. We look at the man of sin. We look at the beast of Revelation 13, the mystery of iniquity. The list goes on and on and on. These are things that are wrapped up that deception, the enemies wants to deceive us on these two, you know, errors that's a prominent that would be used here in the last day. We just need to be very careful that we're not deceived by the enemy. And I think you'll probably bring it out in the rest of the lesson. We talk about immortality. The Bible is very, very clear there in 1 Timothy 6, 16. Only God has immortality. Amen. That just ends it for me right then and there, amen. right? Amen. Just by God's grace, we're not going to be deceived. Amen and amen. Sister Thank Shelly. you. Yes. <laughs> I feel like I, I need to put my running shoes on to follow you. Ooh, glory. Um, <laughs> I loved what you said about Satan's deceptions are no different now. They're just kind of on steroids because mm. that's exactly what's going on. Lesson uh, for Tuesday is the immortality of the soul. Mm. This is a deception. Mm -hmm from which I suffered growing up and believing that the soul was immortal, I believed that there was an ever burning hell. And that kept me from, I, I mean, I believe that you went through this torture in hell where you could never die. And yes. it kept me at arm's distance from the Lord. So I do want to start off with a, a scripture that's a little unique to start, and that is John 11, verses 25 and 26, because sometimes people will use this scripture to try to say, see, you never die. John 11, 25 and 26, Jesus is speaking to Mary and, or to Martha, and he says, mm -hmm. I am the resurrection and, and the life. He who believes in me though he may die, well. he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Mm. Do you believe this? Mm. Well, please notice he's already said, though he may die, yet shall he live. Mm -hmm. And the construction in the Greek when he said, he who believes in me shall never die, shall never die in the Greek is a strong double negative. And what he's saying is they shall not die forever. If you believe in me, although you die, yet shall you live. You shall never die forever because I'm going to give you eternal life. Mm. So now let's look at John 11 and verse 11. How did Jesus describe death? Mm -hmm. John 11, 11, he says this, these things he said, and after he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, uh -huh. but I go that I may wake him up. Mm -hmm. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get well. Yeah. We know that sleep is good if you're sick, right? Mm -hmm. But it, then, then the Bible describes what Jesus was referring to as sleep. It says, however, Jesus spoke of his death. But they thought that he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. Mm. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Yeah. Throughout the Bible, sleep or death is referred to as sleep. Mm -hmm. We find it in 1 yeah. Kings and Psalms and 1 Corinthians and Ephesians. I mean, just throughout the Bible. David and the other Old Testament kings are said to be sleeping with their fathers. Mm -hmm. When Stephen was stoned, Luke wrote and recorded that he fell asleep. He was, mm -hmm. Stephen the, was the first martyr of the church. He was stoned to death. And in, that's in Acts 7 and verse 60. 
that Luke says he fell asleep. So throughout the Bible, this word, this Greek word that's used for sleep, it can mean a natural rest, but it is also translated as death. And that mm. word is koimao, koimao. So it either can mean asleep, sleep, die, or to be dead. Many sincere Christians teach that the soul is immortal, mm -hmm. meaning that you live forever. You're incorruptible. You will never suffer from corruption. But as Kenny has already alluded to, we're going to look at who the Bible says oh. is mm -hmm. immortal. And I want you to turn please to 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 15. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 15. And I just have to say this, for those of you who are watching or listening to my voice, preconceived opinions effectively insulate the mind against truth. Listen to me say that again. Mm -hmm. When we have a preconceived opinion, it will effectively insulate your mind even against God's truth. I remember when God called me to ministry, he told me, forget what you think you know. Yeah. Come sit at my feet and I will teach you. Yes. And boy, I don't think anybody but God could have taught me mm -hmm. because I was my preconceived opinions. We want to be <laughs> right. So if you think that the soul is immortal, listen to what the word of God says. First Timothy 6 and verse 15. He who is the, oh, excuse me, which he will manifest in his own time, speaking of God, he who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Mm. Who are we talking about? Yes. All right. God himself, who alone has immortality, dwelling in an unapproachable light whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Mercy. Amen. Yeah. So 1 Timothy 6, 15, 16 makes it clear. Yes. Only God has life that is unborrowed, underived, has no beginning, no end. Mm -hmm. He is infinite. And you know, the, in, in the Bible, 1,600 times, the Bible refers to man's soul or his spirit 1,600 times. Not one time does that, not once does it, is it associated with immortality. Right. In fact, turn to 1 Corinthians 15, and we're going to look at verses 51 through 55. <clears throat> if you're taking notes, that's 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 55. The Bible says that believers put on immortality on. at the last trumpet. Mm -hmm. This is at the close of earth's history when Christ returns. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 55. Paul is speaking to Christians here and he says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Right. What is he saying? Yeah. That's the Bible metaphor for death. We're not all going to die. But we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye when at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Mm. For this corruptible, this must put on incorruption. Mm -hmm. This mortal must put on immortality. Yes. When? At the last trumpet. Mm -hmm. So when this corruptible has put on corruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that it is written, 
death is swallowed up mm. in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? God, who alone is immortal, is going to bequest or grant uh, to us those who are redeemed eternal life. He will grant to us immortality, but not until that last mm. trumpet. Very quickly, Jill, Ecclesiastes 9, 5, and 6, Molly, Ecclesiastes 9, 10, Kenny, mm -hmm. Psalm 146, verse 4, and uh, if you will, CA, Psalm 115, 17. We're going to have to read in a hurry because we've got a lot to talk about. Jill? Ecclesiastes 9, 5, and 6. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing, and they have no more reward. For the memory of them is forgotten. Also their love, their hatred, and their envy have now perished. Mm. Nevermore will they have a share in anything done under the sun. Yeah. So what does the Bible say happens when we die like sleep? The dead are unconscious. They yes. know nothing. And like sleep, they are resting. Ecclesiastes 9.10. Ecclesiastes 9.10. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whether thou goest. Mm -hmm. So when it, now let's look at like sleep. There's no conscious thought. Psalm 146, verse 4. four. His breath goeth forth, he returneth to his earth in that very day his thoughts perish. So there's, you're just lying unconscious mm -hmm. in the graves. Uh, and then Psalm 115, verse 17. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor any who go down into silence. Ooh, and I've just got to, I'm going to rush through a few more. Job 14, 12 says, we sleep till we are awakened. So man lies down and does not rise till the heavens are no more. They are, will not awake nor be roused from their sleep. It is when the heavens pass away, 2 Peter 3.10 says, this is when Jesus returns. So the, the, the death is asleep from which there will be an awakening. And I have to read this, 1 Thessalonians 4.13-18, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, those who That's are right dead, now. lest you sorry as others with, who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus or sleeping. Mm. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede. We're, yes. If we're alive, we're not going to get to God mm -hmm. ahead of them. So that shows you they're not already there, right? Yeah. For the Lord himself, verse 16 says, will descend from heaven with the shout, with mm -hmm. the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the mm -hmm. air, and thus we shall always be with our Lord. Amen. Well done. Yeah. Well done. The deceptions that are being perpetrated upon the world today. Shelley, that was beautiful the yeah. way you handled that. Well, I'm looking at a deception today. My day is Wednesday and the deception that I am addressing is the theory oh boy. of evolution. My, the subject is Sabbath and the theory of, revolu of evolution. Yeah. Now, what I want you to do, we're going to look at Revelation 12, 9. That was our memory text. I just want to, I'm going to ask two questions after we read this. So the great dragon was cast out. That 
serpent of old called devil, the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth mm -hmm. and his angels were cast out with him. Here's my two questions. Where was Satan cast out to? Panel, where was earth. he cast out earth. to? The earth. The earth. He was cast out here. Now, what was he doing? What does he do? What does it say that he is doing? He is deceiving just a few people. No. Oh, He's deceiving okay. just we Christians. No, it oh, says he deceives mercy. the whole world. Oh, yeah. Now, I want you to turn to John chapter 8, verse 44. So we see that we, as we have all made very clear, Satan is a deceiver. Mm. He's here in this earth yeah. and his purpose is to deceive us. That's is right. he doing a pretty good job? Oh, <laughs> okay. Yes. John 8, 44. <laughs> now Jesus is talking to the religious leaders yeah. who had an agenda, what they meant to do was to kill him. This is what Jesus says to them. You are of your father, who? Devil. The devil. devil. And the desires of your father, you want to do. Yes. He was a murderer, murderer from the beginning. We've made this clear. And does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Right. Now we're talking about who? We're talking Satan. about the devil and Satan. Okay. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar, liar and the father liar. of lies. Mm -hmm. Satan, through his followers, has deceived the whole world in any areas that are vitally important for us to adhere to. Mm -hmm. We're deceived in them. Shelley just covered one Mercy. beautifully. That's the immortality of the soul. Areas the world has been deceived in. Another area, the truth of the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. yes. Another area, the sanctity of life. Yes. Right. Another area, the covenantal bonds of matrimony. Mm -hmm. yes. yes. And the area that I want to address is the theory. Now, what is it? Theory. Theory of evolution. Mm -hmm. Now, think I should cover what the theory of evolution is. If I want to teach on something, you need to know what I'm teaching about. Okay. <laughs> the theory of evolution, also known as Darwinism. Darwinism. Yes. It's a theory of biological evolution developed by the English naturalist Charles Darwin and others, stating that all species of organisms arise and develop through a process called natural selection. It's of small organisms uh, that inherit, inherit variations that increase the individual's ability to compete. Okay. Mm. This theory, the theory of evolution, challenges something. Mm -hmm. And panel, tell me, what does the theory of evolution challenge. God is creator. Creatorship of God. Yes. Mm -hmm. the, the first chapter through uh, verse, chapter two, verse three in Genesis, it, that's what it challenges. It challenges the Bible. Right. So I'm going to encourage you to read uh, Genesis one, the whole chapter, mm. and then verse, uh, chapter two, uh, the, through three. Okay, what I want to do though is only read uh, Genesis 1 26 through chapter 2, verse 3. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air. 
and over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Yeah. So God created man. God did what? He created, created man yeah. in his own image and in the image of God. He created him male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them. Yeah. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have mm. dominion over the fish of the mm -hmm. sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Verse 31, then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was what? Very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Yeah. Now, verse uh, 2, thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. Mm -hmm. And on the seventh day, mm. God ended his work, which he had done, mm -hmm. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. And verse 3, chapter 2, verse 3. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his works which God had created and made. Yeah. Now that is divine design. <laughs> Everything was planned. Mm -hmm. Nothing was left to chance. Nothing just started as a little organism and by natural selection evolved. Mm -hmm. Everything was planned and calculated. Right. Nothing was random, arbitrary, or by chance. The scripture leaves no room whatsoever for chance in the process of creation. Amen. The theory of revolution, of rev evolution counters the account of creation mm. in God's holy word. Now, Psalms 139, verse 14, you don't have to turn there. Just let me tell you what it All says. Right. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. And that my soul knows very well. Marvelous. Okay, now I want to ask a question. Why would Satan perpetrate such a lie about creation. <laughs> Why would he perpetrate that lie? Mm -hmm. Because if he can get you to believe mm -hmm. that we evolved, then that automatically does away with the first chapter of the Bible. <laughs> also, chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, just totally obliterates them. It, it counters the uh, the veracity, the validity, the truth. And if you can take away all of the, the account of creation, what is what did God do on the uh, um, on the seventh day? What does it say He did? He then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it He rested from all His works which Man. God had created oh. and made. So what is that? What, what, that, is that the fourth commandment? Yes. Remember this Sabbath day to yes. keep it holy. So if Satan can negate the veracity, the validity, the truth of God's word, the creation of God's, of, of this, of all of us, the creation story, if he can negate that, what it does away with the veracity, because mm. if you can discount one portion of the Bible, why can't well, you discount yeah. the whole yeah. Bible? Right. And if you can discount the fourth commandment, oh. remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, why should you do that? This isn't the truth anyway. You discount 
all of the commandments. Right. Now, I want to very quickly get to this. It's the study of the human eye. Biologist, it was a three-page report, but let me just condense it. The biologist and the human eye, study of the human eye, compared to a camera, the eye contains a self-adjusting aperture. An automatic focus system inner surfaces that minimize the scattering of stray light, sensitivity range that gives excellent vision to bright sunlight as well as the dimmest moonlight. The eye adjusts to 10 billion fold changes in brightness. Now, this is what those that did the study wound up saying. Mm. How could chance acting with one gene mm. at a time starts with a sightless organism and produce an eye? <laughs> so that's what the biologist said. Now, I want to give you a quote from Charles Darwin himself. Okay. It's um, in a chapter of his, the name of the book, Origin of the Species, mm -hmm. entitled Difficulties with the Theory. Here's what Charles Darwin says. To suppose that the human eye, yeah. with all its inimitable contra contrivances <laughs> for adjusting the focus to different distances yes. from admitting different amounts of light and for the correction of spherical and chromatic aberration could have been formed by natural selection uh. seems, I freely confess, he says, well. absurd to the highest degree. <laughs> he didn't even believe in his own theory, no, okay? Theory. <laughs> Remember, it's a theory. Now, let me tell you the good news. Right. God's word is the truth. Yeah. God's word will never change. Right. God is truth. God is love. You can trust in God. You can trust in this word. It is reliable and it will never lead you Amen. astray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much, Pastor Molly. We can go home. You know, we've had church. I'm done here. Praise yeah. the Lord. On Thursday, we look at the counterfeit trinity. Oh. And Lord willing, we will get in-depth and hopefully it will be clear to you at home because I know it's a big study and there's a lot to yes. cover in this. As has been mentioned here on the panel, as we've been discussing deception the entire lesson, for everything godly, Satan introduces something ungodly. Yes. For every biblical truth, there is a false teaching, yes. or at least a co-mingling of truth mm -hmm. with error. For every truth from God, Satan has a counterfeit. Yes. Think about it. The truth that the seventh day is the Sabbath. The counterfeit, of course, as Pastor Kenny talked about, is Sunday sacredness. Mm -hmm. Those who honor Sunday say we honor it in honor of Christ's resurrection on the first day of the week. After all, the law was nailed to the cross. Yeah. Actually, though, what they're really saying is only the fourth commandment was nailed to the cross. Uh -huh. and we ought to keep yeah. the rest of the commandments. Think about it. Marriage was established by God between one man and one woman. But Satan has a counterfeit called homosexuality yes. between man and man and woman with woman. Or he has another counterfeit for those who are heterosexual and says, you know, you don't have to get married. You can just live together. There's no issue with that. God is the author of love and he just wants me to be happy. Actually, God does love us. That's why he gives us boundaries. Amen. That's why he gives us his law. Amen. Think about it. Creation, as you so eloquently talked about, Molly. God created the world in six literal days. Yes. The counterfeit is either God created and it took many, many years, or 
evolution and the entire thing evolved. Yes. Salvation, we're saved by grace through faith and for that Satan has a counterfeit saying salvation is a combination of God's grace and my own efforts. Think about the truth of sanctification. Obedience is a natural outgrowth of my own walk by faith. The counterfeit says God doesn't require any works. Everything's been done by grace and there's nothing that we as Christians need to do to walk in that grace. Yeah. We have baptism by immersion and the counterfeit of course is sprinkling. Mm -hmm. We have Jesus' second coming as literal, visible, audible and the counterfeit of course, the secret rapture. We have the state of the dead, Shelley, as you talked about mm -hmm. and the non-immortality of the soul. And the counterfeit for that, of course, as you clearly talked about with the immortality of the soul. So now we have the truth of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And Satan has brought in a counterfeit. That's what we're talking about here. The counterfeit trinity, as it were, the dragon, the sea beast, and the land beast. That's what the lesson calls them, the dragon, the sea beast, and the land beast. They can also be called the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. And either way you look at it, we're really talking about the same things. So let's look at the dragon, the dragon being the counterfeit for God the Father. The dragon in, let's turn to Revelation chapter 12. First of all, we'll just look at the description of the dragon. Revelation chapter 12, verse 3. Another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems or seven crowns on his head. Who is the dragon? We see it. It's very clear in Revelation 12, verse 9. We've talked about it. So the great dragon was cast out, that mm -hmm, serpent, serpent of old called the devil and Satan. That's right. Who deceives the whole world? He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Let's look a minute at the dragon's role. If we look at Revelation 12, 17, we see the dragon's role in this thing we call the great controversy. The dragon was enraged, or King James says wroth, with the woman. Now the word for enraged in Greek means a fixed anger or a settled oppression. Mm. I'm sorry, opposition, a settled opposition. So instead of the dragon just all of a sudden his temper flared, you ever know someone like that? They instantly get mad, right? Really? Something happens and the temper flares. This is a settled opposition. So it's not talking about once upon a time, just once, the dragon was wroth with the woman, Satan was angry with the church. It means that this is a settled opposition. Yes. Satan studied um, opposition to the church. So the dragon, Satan, was wroth or had this settled opposition to the woman. And we know the woman is the true church represented mm -hmm. in Revelation. And he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So the dragon's role is to make war against the church. We see Revelation chapter 13, verse 1, we introduce the sea beast here. Revelation 13, 1, and we'll see what the dragon does, his role with the sea beast. Revelation 13, 1, then I stood on the sand of the sea and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. We don't have time to get into all this, but the sea representing many peoples. Having seven heads and ten horns and on his horns, ten crowns and on his heads, a blasphemous name. 
-hmm. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard, his feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. Now this is the point we want to get to with the dragon. The dragon gave him, meaning the dragon, Satan, gave the sea beast his power, his throne, his great mm -hmm. authority. The dragon gave that authority over to the sea beast. The dragon has power, or thinks he does, yeah. power, throne, authority overall. Now let's look at the sea beast for a moment. The sea beast being the counterfeit for God the Son, or Jesus. The description of the sea beast, we just read that in Revelation 13, 1, is very similar to the description of the dragon. Did you notice that? They were very similar. He had seven heads and ten horns, same as the dragon. And on his horns, ten crowns, same as the dragon. The dragon had seven crowns on his heads, and the sea beast has the horns, the crowns on the horns, but still the description is very similar. And this beast is different from the dragon, though, because he's a composite image from Daniel. We see the leopard, the bear, the mouth like the lion, the composite image of the four beasts there in Daniel. Who does the sea beast represent? Now, we're not looking at who is the sea beast at this point, just who it represents. We talked about the sea beast being a counterfeit to Jesus Christ. Mm. We won't turn there, but think about Matthew 28. You can look this up later. Matthew 28, verse 18. It says, all power, Jesus is speaking, all power is given me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. So who gave Jesus all power? God the Father. So in this case, it says in verse 2, the dragon, the false trinity here, the dragon falsely representing God the Father, the dragon gave to the sea beast, falsely representing Jesus Christ, the power. Mm. We also see in verse 3, I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded mm. and the deadly wound was healed and all the world marveled and followed the beast or wondered after the beast. Mm -hmm. Representing as in Jesus, he died, then he was resurrected again. And they worshiped, this is verse four, the dragon who gave authority to the beast. And they worshiped the beast saying, who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? It reminds me of what they said in Revelation 12, seven talking about the war breaking out in heaven. Michael and his angels, we know Micah represents the Lord Jesus Christ. And Michael literally means who is like God. So that's who in this false trinity who he represents. But literally, who is the sea beast? We know the sea beast. We don't have time to get into all this, but represents the papacy. Yeah. Given power by God for 42 months, if you follow the day for a year principle, it works out to 1260 years from 538 to 1798. Then we see the land beasts come up and I am so out of time. <laughs> the land beasts representing the United States. And we see that in Revelation 13 verse 11. I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. He came out of the earth because he did not arise from many peoples. He arise from an unpopulated place and he exercised all the authority authority of the first beast in his presence and caused the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound yeah. was healed. The third uh, beast, the land beast, the third part of this false trinity, the land beast represented a counterfeit for God the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. 
exercised authority, caused them to worship the sea beast. Uh, he is the apparent third player in this false end time trinity. He takes a leading role in promoting the interests of the sea beast, just like in John 16, 13, and 14, when the spirit of truth has come, he promotes the interest. He leads us into all truth. He promotes the interest of God the Father and God the Son. And he also makes fire come down from heaven, and that's reminiscent of the tongues of fire, the fire coming down from the Holy Spirit. Um, so we see this false trinity. Revelation 16, 13 talks about the three unclean spirits coming out of the mouth um, like frogs and they're representing the dragon, the beast, the false prophet. And praise the Lord, he has in his word, we can study and learn so we do not have to be deceived. Amen. 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 Well done. Well done. We're going to take our time just now and I'm going to ask you each to tie a little bow on your statement. Give me just one or two sentences uh, to sort of sum up your particular day. Pastor? Well, what I've looked at in the lessons is Satan gives power to those on his side. We mm -hmm. understand that. And the only way that we can detect him is by the great detector, which is the law of Jehovah, the great moral standard of righteousness. Amen. So we need to keep that in focus. Mm -hmm. In the garden, Satan told Eve, you shall not surely die. And he's trying to tell people that today, that the dead are not really dead, that they are immortal. The reason it is so important to understand that you are dead mm -hmm. and that uh, lying in the grave is because Spiritualism is going to be the, one of the final yes. delusions, and there's people who are believing that they're getting messages from beyond the grave. Mm -hmm. Not possible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We need to base everything we believe on God's Word. God's Word is the truth. Anything that contradicts this Word is a lie, and it, the lie, will fall to the ground every time in light of the mm -hmm. truth of God's Amen. Word. Amen. Amen. Deception is a serious thing. It yes. began in heaven with Satan and it was spread to this earth through Satan. And so study the word of God. Study to show yourself approved unto God. Oh. Search the scriptures so that you will not be deceived in these end times. Very good. Amen. Very quickly, uh, Pastor Kenny, what I heard you say is that we cannot run the risk of being deceived. Study the word to not be deceived. Shelley, what I heard you say is the truth about immortality of the soul. Mm -hmm. That... Uh, uh, to do otherwise paints an ugly picture of God because it says we burn in hell forever, and that's not the loving God we know. Yeah. Molly, divine design. Love it. Uh, and, and Jill, the counterfeit trinity, God has a, uh, Satan has a counterfeit for everything of God, but we live by the truth, the whole truth, and mm. nothing but the truth. Amen. And that is found yeah. in the Word of God. Yeah. I hope and pray mm. that this study has been a blessing to you. These are important subjects. Because our faith is going to be tested in these last days. But we hold on to the fact that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And as you follow God and hold on to him, you will not be deceived. We look to see you again next time. God bless. Have a wonderful walk with Jesus. Well, folks, this completes this 
interesting discussion about end times deceptions. I hope you found this fascinating. Thanks for listening. Until next time, bye for now. Mic off.